There's a smart new website that will change the way you invest using social media. Like Folio. Here to explain a team of brothers, Andy and Landon Swan, of Like Folio. And they've always been building out great technology at the intersection of social and trading. Powered by unique social data. Analyzed by legendary traders. The Like Folio broadcast starts right now. I've heard there's going to be a recession. I've decided not to participate. That's the great Walt Disney. One of many phenomenal quotes from him. I love talking about Disney. He's one of my favorite entrepreneurs of all time. Visionary genius, I think. And his company's in a little bit of a a recession itself. Down 25% off of its all-time highs that it hit late last year twice 120 or so now under $90 after posting earnings last night on uh well, yeah I guess that was uh Tuesday night but they posted great earnings I mean well uh, Walt Disney earnings per share $1.63 versus estimates of $1.45 revenues 15.24 billion versus 14.75 billion estimate. So they beat on all the numbers, but the stock went down and it's a classic buy the rumor, sell the news type of scenario. Plus the, the interesting thing of Disney's such a huge company, yet this was their 10th consecutive quarter of double digit EPS growth. That's amazing. I think so. A company that big. So huge. I mean, crazy stats. There's a couple crazy stats. One that really stood out to me. Uh, was it forty six percent revenue growth in their studio revenue? I believe it was forty six percent, if I remember correctly. It's Crazy. just Star Wars. It's just Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. You take Star Wars out of this, which I guess is what the street has done, and said, "All right, you did, you know, fifteen point two four billion instead of fourteen point seven five. That's great, but it's not really repeatable right. because this was Star Wars on December fifteenth through January." Uh, that first that probably did all of this. It did 2.1 billion. Is that right? So yeah, far, 900 million domestic, 2.1 billion so far worldwide. Just shy of 2.1 billion. Phenomenal numbers on an asset that they bought for what? Four billion? I can't remember from Lucas. Um, so just crazy. In fact, you look inside of um, TD Ameritrade, you can get some cool like folio data in their social signal section on the quotes page and you look at the most uh, tweeted uh, brands that Disney owns the top two are related to Star Wars Star Wars and Lucasfilm and then it's a huge gap down uh, to ESPN being the third one which I thought was really interesting because so many people like to talk about sports online and in Twitter but uh, you know Star Wars just stole the show right and, we got to revisit that and ESPN's kind of <clears throat> Kind of dropping off a little bit, right? What's also interesting because ESPN is approximately twenty-seven point set or twenty-eight percent of the company from a percentage perspective, and then the other Disney Studios combined eleven point seven percent, roughly. So we've got Lucas, you know, the studio side being completely killing ESPN on a mentions perspective, where it only represents what five percent of the of the uh, overall company. Yeah. Is that fair though? I mean, the movie just came out, right? I mean, that's. You got you got to back that out. I think that's what the street did, and that's probably why we're seeing this sell off, right? So yeah, Landon, tell us what um, you're looking into the the in depth like folio data. Sure, sure. Um, well, I'll start with cash tags. Um, 
then that is when people put on Twitter a dollar sign uh, in the ticker symbol. And so um, there's actually been a pretty sharp move since around uh, May or June. It preceded the double top by um, maybe a, a couple months. And the the number of mentions went up significantly and the sentiment went down significantly. So more people were talking about it and more people were becoming bearish on the stock. Um, and again, that was right before the double top that hit. So I found that pretty interesting. And then when you get into the the brand mentions themselves, so this is when people are talking about uh, the products that they own, ESPN or Star Wars or ABC or whatever it is. Um, the you know it's been a pretty flat um, history, slight trend upward. Um, obviously, a big spike around Star Wars. Um, you can see pretty much every time a trailer was released. You can obviously see when the movie came out on the charts, um, and those spikes are there. But if you take those out, or even if you just kind of you know account for them in a realistic way, knowing that it's going to repeat every two or three years, uh, but not every quarter, you see a pretty solid downtrend starting right around the first top of that double top, um, which was what. What, around September or so? So, yeah, the, the number of brands are, are trailing off as well as purchase intent. Um, obviously, again, there's a big spike on purchase intent around the Star Wars release date. But other than that, purchase intent has been trailing off over the last uh, four, five, six months. So you're saying that if you kind of normalize for Star Wars. Right. And just kind of back that out and say all right this is going to be a really great franchise for this company but you you kind of normalize for that and you look at the data what consumers are saying about the other brands and just the company in general was trailing off they weren't as excited or as enthusiastic about uh disney's other products and and right entertainment brands and actually if you yeah if you look at disney that going back to 2012 is when our data goes back to there's an uptrend in um the, the number of mentions and the sentiment around Disney. Um, but again, it peaks right around uh, where that first part of that double top was, um, especially, it, and it starts trailing off, and it really trails off if you take out Star Wars. Star Wars kind of slows the slide, but when you take out that data, it really looks bad. So I, I think that uh, that may be what people are reacting to, or maybe that may be an indicator of, of the uh, sell-off that we're seeing. Yeah, that's... I mean, like full of data is just crushing it. I was looking at um, LinkedIn the other day. Yeah. You know, we talked about it yesterday when we were talking about Twitter, uh, the the massive haircut that LinkedIn. Crazy. Crazy. And um, that was actually one of our notes at the turn of the year that LinkedIn was going to have, we thought, a pretty tough year based on the number of uh, purchase intent mentions for LinkedIn, which is actually easier to track than Facebook and Twitter because people are actually signing up for the pro service. And putting in credit cards on LinkedIn and, or they could be using the term cancel. And so we saw an increase in the number of people talking about canceling their LinkedIn, you know, premium subscriptions. And then lo and behold, last week, those uh, subscriptions were falling off and the market was having none of it. So, um, you know, this is powerful data right now. Right now, the like follow data is, is hot. Um, and it's showing that Disney, um, so is it continuing, Landon? Is is this continuing? You said it started in September, uh, gave us a little lead on, um, you know, probably gave us, 
It, it peaked that, when that first when that first yeah, so when it was, first hit one twenty. That was early August of twenty fifteen. Okay. So then the then the second um run up to one twenty, it was it was already on the way down. The social data was already on the way down. That's where you you could have said, all right, right, there's a divergence here between what I'm seeing consumers talking about on Main Street and what's happening on Wall Street. Could have right. gotten out there, and then now we're down under 90. Um, is it still falling, or are we kind of settling out? It looks like it's falling. Um, and yeah, that it would not have predicted that that first 120 was the top. Uh, it pretty much peaked there, but then it started sliding. And if you would have been watching... Uh, and it come back up to 120. I think that would have been a pretty clear divergence between our data and the the streets data, or the what the market was doing. So um, that would have predicted that. But yeah, it's definitely sliding, especially if you take out Star Wars. That's one of my favorite uh, like folio setups is when um, the social data div- has a divergence from the stock data, and so you see stocks continuing up near all time highs or almost trading on the momentum of the stock alone. But you see, um, you know, the social data falling off and it shows right. that consumers are falling a little bit out of favor with the company. It's something we saw with Yum Brands over last summer. You see the opposite happening too, um, where you think, all right, this, this isn't that bad. People are just getting out because everybody else is getting out and they're getting scared in the stock. Um, we've seen plenty of those types of scenarios as well. So, Love the divergence plays. Right. I, I don't know that we have a divergence right now uh, because it seems like uh, McDo- um, sorry, Disney is down. The price might be catching up to the our data. The price might be catching up to our data. But, you know, I, I didn't mention the purchase intent too much. Um, I talked about how the brands have been going up and then they peaked and they're sliding. The purchase intent has been flat for pretty much the entire time we've been tracking Disney up until uh, that August time period. And it started sliding um, right around that peak. And so um, even though the mentions were going up, people were talking more about Disney. They weren't talking more about purchasing Disney products or doing things or interacting with Disney products. And so, uh, you know, the percentage of people were going down that were talking about that. And so that the purchase intent actually predicted it even more than the uh, brand mentions. But when you put them together, it really gave a, a really clear, clear signal. And a lot of that problems ESPN. It seems like, and that the street is aware of that. It's been happening, Nick. What for a couple of years? They've lost a yeah, lot over, of- over a two-year period. They've lost approximately seven million ESPN subscribers. And I'll just reiterate that ESPN represents about twenty-eight percent of the company. So that's obviously a very strong right. asset of theirs. Losing seven million subscribers is a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal, especially but, at what is it, six or seven bucks a month per subscriber? Yeah. In recurring revenue that is that the company can count on that's a big deal they did mention a bit of an uptick this quarter oh good so they've stopped the bleeding they think stopped the bleeding a lot of the pressure is coming from netflix amazon prime other over-the-top streaming devices so you know they're certainly feeling the pressure from those streaming options out there because you've always wondered ever since uh esp and the ocho you know <laughs> yeah. you've always wondered like how much can people watch Ocho-o. sports really <laughs> there's only so much sports you can watch very true. Um, in fact, um, you know, a little bit more on the bullish side. If we look at some of the influential tweets out there today um, and yesterday after the uh, after the earnings call, Ross Gerber, um, he had a really good tweets, getting a lot of action on Twitter. And it's um, that the CEO of Disney just put 
the nail in the coffin on the ESPN BS. I suspect he will be aggressively buying back stock this quarter. So, um, you know, Ross is out there, uh, very well-respected guy, pretty much calling for a stock buyback at this point because the stock has taken on such a hit. And I thought also that um, uh, Nicole shared from uh, TD Ameritrade made a really good point. She puts up this great screenshot from uh, the Thinkorswim application that shows the breakdown of uh, what different uh, units of the company are doing. And she says cool. it's uh, it's worth noting that operating Disney, a- operating revenue on Disney parks was up 22%. And people forget that the parks are now more important even than ESPN. So I thought yeah, that's parks awesome. are the most important of their assets at 31.5%. Wow. That's, and you see the ads for the new Star Wars park? Oh, man. Oh, I can't wait. I'm like, okay, let's go to Disney. <laughs> let's, I'm like, honey, let's take the kids to Disney. <laughs> yeah, we just booked a Disney cruise just uh, the other day because it was you know, it's just, you know there'll be some cool Star Wars stuff. It's just stuff good. It's a great company to do business with. The park <laughs> is always going to be a good time. And you just can't go wrong with it. Your kids are going to have a great time. They know how to treat the adults, have a few bevies, and enjoy the enjoy the ride. So how are we going to trade Disney, Nick? What are you seeing in the options? What are you seeing in the stock? Well, first of all, you know, Landon mentioned the double top. So I feel like I should just touch on the technical side. Uh, we had about a four-year uptrend in the stock. It broke after the first part of the double top, you know, failed. So we saw that move up to 120. It dipped down to like 95. And uh, that's what broke the uptrend, the four year uptrend. Then it pushed back up to 120 again, touching that uptrend support turn resistance, faded off of that. So it kind of proved that that uptrend support has turned into resistance. Uh, it created that double top. The neckline is about 95. The top is 120. So we got about 25 point height. And if you take 25 from that 95 neckline, we're sitting at 70. So the measured move would technically be 70 bucks. So we're still 20 points away from the measured move if the double top does come to fruition. So there's the technical side of things. If we're looking from an options perspective, the implied volatility is currently about 32% in Disney. From an annual perspective, that is an IV percentile of 50, meaning it's sitting right at its mean for the past 52 weeks. But if you look further out, to a three-year chart, for example, you can see that the high end of implied volatility was around 30 over a three-year period if you take out this year. So it was one big data spike uh, that really caused the IV to look like it's not that attractive to for selling premium right now. But actually, if you look on a grander scheme, it is pretty attractive. 32% mm. is pretty much at the 100th percentile of what it had been if you take that data spike out. So I think there actually is a pretty decent opportunity to sell premium here. I think we've made a bit of a bullish case from our, you know, we, we've made a little bit of both cases. So I'm not exactly sure how I would want to play it. So I think rather than trying to be directional, I'd, I'd do more of a neutral play, either selling an iron condor or selling a short strangle with, uh, you know, a good one standard deviation range if I was to do a, a short strangle just to keep myself safe. And I think the lower end of that range would be right around that 70 measured move or in the high end would be around 115, 120. I'd have to look a little closer. I like that. I like a neutral play on it. Um, so we'd be looking at the 75 short puts and we'd be looking at the 100 short calls on a one standard deviation short strangle. 
Now, when you do an iron condor or a short strangle, are you usually trying to stay? How many days out do you want your expiration to be? I'm currently looking at the April 2016 options, which have 65 days till expiration, because I think that's a really good range for some good theta decay. You want to be in an optimal theta decay position. So going somewhere between 45 and 65 days out, as far as your entry, is a good duration period to really benefit from max theta decay on these out-of-the-money options. Cool. And you could enter this trade so that um, the, the trades that you're talking about, either the short strangle or iron condor, uh, that are 63 days away from expiration, um, either one of those you could enter so that you profit considerably as long as the stock stays between somewhere in the low 70s and somewhere just above 100, 105. Is that right? As long as it stays between 75 and 100, roughly. Between 75 and 100. So you'd have $15 to the downside as of right now which and $10 to the upside. I think that our data is pretty, you know, the Lifefolio data seems pretty clear to me that the risk of Disney taking off and, you know, going to $150 over the next yeah. Six months is pretty low. That's low. And so I kind of like that trade because your your downside cushion is $15 and your upside cushion is $10 and you're still very neutral and still looking at, you know, is the stock really going to move another 10% in either direction in the next 63 days? It feels like all the events are over for Disney. Here's why I like that trade. The, you know, when we're looking at um, brand mentions and purchase intent, it's very bearish, but when we look at the cash tags, the sentiment has gone down so much, it's now under 50%. And so there's more people bearish than bullish on Disney, um, just on the stock. And so I think that that is going to create a situation where, you know, the sellers are already out and the shorters are already in. And so I think you're going to be kind of fighting that battle. And I think sideways is probably the most likely. If I had to bet, I'd go sideways slash down, um, I would not be too scared of, of uh, the upside right now. All right, cool. That That's a great way to play this. I like how we tied all the data in. and You know, you don't have to come up with a directional bet every time. I think that's one thing that, uh, well, first of all, you don't have to make a trade on every stock that you look at. We try to bring some stocks that have some interesting ideas behind them uh, to the podcast, but you don't have to make a trade, first of all. Second of all, you don't have to make a directional trade. You know, you can, you can, using options or, um, you know, other methods. Real quick, that, that might have been a little complex for people who, um, yeah, talk about theta maybe. No, yeah. Well, no, I think that's good. I think we want to challenge our listeners. Um, and, you know, everybody can ask questions at Andy Swan, at like folio, at Nick Fenton, at Landon Swan. Ask questions anytime. And I'm going to put that trade. At the bottom of the um, the article that we put out tomorrow on the Like Folio app, so make sure you have a Like Folio app on your phone uh, tomorrow. On um, let's see, so that'll be Thursday morning. Uh, we'll publish the article on Disney to the to the app, and at the bottom of that, I'll actually uh, go into detail on what this trade is and what it means um, for those of you who are interested in that. But if you're not an options person, and let's say, um, you know, I'm not an options person. I think that Disney could fall a little bit, Nick. Uh, I think it could fall a little bit, but I want to start building a, a position in it because I believe that the company is fantastic. 
you know, and I think that it's a good opportunity to start picking up a little bit of a position. How would you start doing that? How would you recommend someone start doing that? Let's say uh, that doesn't have a lot of experience with uh, options and they're not necessarily going to enter into a spread at this point, but they might want to um, do something with the stock and, you know, some some options exposure uh, adjacent to that. Well, I think the perfect way to do that is a covered call. If you want to get some long stock exposure and you want to get some options exposure, you know, by if you want to reduce your cost basis on the long shares of stock by selling some options premium here, you just buy shares of the op- or buy shares of the stock. Currently, it's around ninety dollars a share. I would I would go and sell the uh, probably ninety two fifties two and a half strikes higher. They're selling for around two dollars and eighty cents. So you're gonna have a two dollar and eighty cent cost basis reduction. Take that off of your ninety, and you're in at eighty seven eighty. So your cost basis on the stock is eighty seven eighty. You have you still have the downside exposure that you're willing to obtain, but you also have some upside opportunity, and you're long the shares of stock. If Disney does stay below 92.50, the calls that you sold, those calls expire worthless. You've reduced your cost basis by two dollars and eighty cents. You're still long the shares of stock. You can go out and sell calls in the next month and continue to reduce your cost basis. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like both of those trades. I really like, I've been digging deeper into the strangle and it's got a really strong opportunity here. So one thing I do want to kind of clarify is there is directional risk here in the sense that sideways is a direction. So we, we aren't, um, we aren't putting in a, a real directional trade as far as saying it's going to go up or down in Disney, but we are saying that it's going to go sideways within a range. So this is kind of a range bound strategy which I think correlates well with the data that we've been discussing today. Uh, if you look at this, it's about 75%, well, it's actually 77% probability of success. So a 77% probability that this trade is going to be successful between now and April uh, expiration. That's a, that's a really strong opportunity. So I think rather than just talking about doing the trade, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and make this trade right now. He's firing. That's how we're going to wrap it up, too, because another great Walt Disney quote, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. I love it. 